Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. November is Military Family Appreciation and Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month. It's November 20th, 2021. I'm Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. Yes, Cliff, it's so always wonderful to see you. You're looking fu- wonderful. I'm his co-host, Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of the Honorable Scouts Honor Productions. And he's doing a wonderful job here as usual. We have some esteemed panelists with us today from VHPI. Suzanne Gordon is VHPI Senior Policy Analyst. And her work expands over decades, reporting on health care programs, workers, policy, and she has authored and edited 21 books. I, I haven't done 21 of much things in my life, Cliff. <laughs> uh, Suzanne and those you did, we may, we may not want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> but Suzanne has written two books, The Battle for Veterans Healthcare and Wounds of War. And she has with her Jasper Craven, the VHPI Interim Executive Director. And today's discussion is going to center around VA telehealth during COVID. Hi, how are you doing, Suzanne? Fine, thank you. Good. Always great to hear your voice. And uh, and Jasper's on the line as well. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Okay, Suzanne, tell us, what is about this, uh, the VA uh, telehealth Hello? during COVID, uh, COVID-19? Uh, hi, Suzanne. Hello? Yes, hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, yes. Uh, we, you know, so tell me more about this VA telehealth during COVID-19. Well, um, the VA has a vast telehealth capacity and has always been a leader in telehealth. And um, it has been recognized as a global leader in telehealth. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Basically, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit and everybody had to go to virtual appointments, this was not very difficult 
Yeah, this it was not very difficult for the VA because they already had this huge capacity. Uh, I wrote a lot about it in my book, Wounds of War. I, I, you observed. Um, I once was in White River Junction, Vermont, watching a veteran get a physical therapy appointment with a physical therapist who was in North Carolina. Okay. And or I sat in San Francisco watching a veteran get a an appointment uh, for audiology for hearing with someone in Honolulu. So they have had this capacity, and they were able to very carefully pivot to telehealth to to protect patients and staff from infection during the pandemic. But the problem is that under the Mission Act, the way they've interpreted the law, particularly the Trump administration, and now the Biden administration is continuing that, um, is that when veterans uh, get a VA telehealth appointment at the Veterans Health Administration in-house, it doesn't count as access. And when they get it in the private sector, it does count as access. And so there's a double standard uh, where veterans are discouraged from getting better quality care via telehealth at lower ha- costs uh, in the VA. And then, and then the taxpayer is paying for it uh, in the private sector. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's... Uh, so there's a double that. standard. Yes, yes. So, and so. we are arguing that that loophole needs to be closed. Um, I don't know if Jasper wants to add something, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jasper. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, just this this whole uh, issue that, that Suzanne has just described is really indicative of policy decisions inside the VA for the last five or six years, really from outside the VA, from Congress, um, writing sort of foolhardy or cynical uh, legislation to, to, to sort of make it less easy for the VA to do what it's very good at. Um, I mean, clearly, as we've talked about on the show before, uh, the VA is contending with a number of different privatization policies including ones that are specific for uh, mental health care. Um, and, you know, sort of telehealth has now sort of gotten wrapped up into all of this. And so, uh, you know, this, this is a very um, sort of clear example because, as Suzanne said, like the, the telehealth capabilities of VA are unmatched anywhere else. Yes. Um, VA has developed incredible technology to keep these virtual appointments um, compliant with HIPAA um, regulations. They've provided technology and sought to expand um, or, or, you know, provide access uh, to, to Internet as well so that vets in rural places can, can access telehealth. Uh, I mean, it's just billions and billions of dollars that have been spent here. And so then to see a, a far less effective system in the private sector, you know, hoover up so many of these appointments is very concerning. Yes, yes. And how does that information even get back to the VA, you know, from the private sector? Because um, it seems like the other care that you receive in the VA, so if you go for other things, back uh, complaints or for um, other uh, workups or getting your medications and those kinds of things through the VA, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, another thing that we hear about a lot is that 
there is really poor information sharing from the private sector. So um, there are all of these black holes that happen when a veteran is put out into a private sector appointment, whether that's through telehealth or mental health or any other sort of specialized appointment, which uh, sort of breaks. And, and what also what also happens is that um, the taxpayer is paying twice because we've made this investment in um, VA care and, um, you know, all, all these devices, all this infrastructure, and then basically that isn't being utilized, but it's being paid for, and then you're paying for it again in the private sector, you know, because you're paying for these appointments that could be delivered with a much higher quality at the VA. Yes, and, and yeah, for, for, you know, nothing against them, but prov- private providers don't even have the um, knowledge of what it means to be in the military. And, you know, the VA does have that benefit of people being familiar with the issues that are surrounding the veterans. So that seems like another loss as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's ample evidence that shows um, – very little proficiency um, in the private sector for for veteran patients. And so really, at the end of the day, this is about uh, mostly money and privatization. And and those are sort of, you know, the main topics that uh, we focus on at Veterans Healthcare Policy Institute. And you can really find sort of similarly foolish policies, again, sort of across many different many different elements to, to, to VA uh, services these days. So, so on the legislative battlefront, what, what's going on with the legislative side now? Are there policies that are, you know, uh, things that we need to watch out for, or are there things going forward to try to correct the situation? Well, we really aren't seeing enough um, oversight by Congress, and so this telehealth uh, issue is, a place where Congress should be uh, exercising its oversight because, you know, the it's costing more money. And also, um, we've tried to warn at VHPI about the fact that um, a lot of veterans in many areas are having to wait months to get a mental health telehealth appointment, which should be the easiest to um, to access to get I mean telehealth is easier than scheduling an in-person appointment and there's huge delays in these appointments in telehealth at in the private sector and that's because <clears throat> there isn't enough capacity mm-hmm. in these different systems and there isn't enough mental health capacity there's a huge shortage of mental health providers because of covid there's been a run on you know, a lot of people are having a lot of mental health problems because of COVID. And so there's a run on a short supply of mental health providers. Mm-hmm. Plus, there are no providers in, you know, 55% of American counties, most of them rural, have no psychiatrists, psychologists, or social workers. Yes. You know, 49% of psychiatrists won't take private insurance, and they won't accept the rates that VA is offering, which is Medicare rates. So there isn't the capacity to handle this, and Congress did not uh, accurately assess the capacity of 
the private sector to handle veteran patients, and it isn't over exercising oversight to try to find out what's happening. I mean, we think there should be studies. I mean, we have a whole list of things that we think should be done, but one of the things should be somebody like the GAO or or the VAOIG or somebody should be doing studies to see what's happening to these veterans in the private sector. The Congressional Budget Office just issued a stunning report about the excessive costs of of the community, the Veterans Community Care Program under the Mission Act, and the fact that it said under quality that basically the quality of private sector providers is not just unknown, but unknowable, Mm -hmm. because there are not metrics, granular metrics, for you to find out about Joe Smith, that, you know, psychologist, or Richard Ames, I'm making these names up, that surgeon, there's no data on on individual providers. There's data, there's broad data on, you know, how many deaths there are post-surgery for a hospital, but there's no data about an individual provider. So, you know, this is all just the Wild West, and Congress could exercise oversight and isn't. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, um, you know, in God we trust, all others bring data. So if they can't bring the data to the table, <laughs> I, 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 I have a problem yeah. with my trust in it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's very true. So what's being... Well, I mean, what needs to happen is that somebody somebody in Congress, I mean, yeah. or the veteran service organizations need to write a letter to the secretary saying under regulation, this problem with telehealth can be solved through the regulatory process. And it also means that you need to have, um, um, you need to have uh, schedulers in the VA educated on what they should be telling veterans um, And you also have to help veterans understand, you know, they should be asking for a telehealth appointment. They should be asking the VA, okay, you're sending me out to the private sector. What's the wait time in the private sector? Can I get a telehealth appointment in the VA? Yeah, and imagine, you know, there's so many different disparate systems out there in the the IT realm. And I'm wondering, you know, we we look at cybersecurity and that kind of thing. I would imagine within the VA system the data would be much more secure than getting it from 100,000 different providers <laughs> that are sending you information uh, into your system. Uh, so well, they're not sending information, Damon. That's the thing. The VA cannot they're, – they're not – so you send a vet out to the private sector, and we did a story on this. Um, there was a survey by the American – by the Association of VA Psychologist Leaders, AVAPAL, people can go to its website, AVAPL. And also there was an, another survey that was done by the Nurses Organization of the VA, NOVA. You can go to their website. And basically they surveyed their members about the community care program, and they basically said they, they have no idea what happens to veterans uh, when they go into the private sector. They're not getting... Uh, progress notes and documentation back from the private sector. Um, and basically, Congress, because it, 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 it didn't want uh, private sector to impose any restrictions on, pro- on private sector providers, hasn't mandated that in order to get paid, they have to send documentation, progress notes, et cetera, back to the VA. 
Well, who, who's at fault there? Who, who should do do what? Pardon me? Who should do what to correct that problem you're talking about? Well, I think there's multiple problems that mm-hmm. I think can yeah. be dealt with regulatorily. I mean, the, the secretary can, you know, write regulations that say that telehealth counts as access. The, okay. the Congress can can require that private sector providers who are participants in the community care network um, give, you know, as a condition of payment, have to, and a condition of participation, have to abide by the same wait time and quality standards as the VA, that they have to, um, you know, give documentation, that they have to work with the VA to coordinate care, that they have to have military cultural competency and use evidence-based practices for various uh, problems, which we know that the private sector doesn't do. There are many fixes for this, but Congress has to step up to the plate um, and, and, and exercise its, its, its oversight functions and also, you know, make requirements on, on these people. I mean, they do it to the VA. They impose requirements on the VA. For example, every... Everybody in the VA is trained how to do telehealth. They aren't trained how to do telehealth in the private sector. Yes, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and especially if you have a small office and you know you don't have that um, that kind of capability. And you know, and again, you know, with the VA, at least you have a quality control on the uh, psychologist, psychiatrist that you are hiring, right, to um, work with patients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also been a lot of really interesting uh, research that shows that telehealth is incredibly effective inside VA, including um, mental health. And that's largely because, as Suzanne said, there's just really intense uh, training on, on, on how to transition onto an online model and provide care. And there's, you know, a bunch of fancy technology as well at work and, and patients can be given technology that can do vital readings and all of this stuff. So it's, it's quite a, a helpful tool. Wow. Well, we have about uh, two minutes left. I, what I want you to do is, you know, give us an idea of what do you think we as veterans should do? We should become more involved and uh, get more involved in the different um, issues or should we be going online, writing all congressional members uh, to, yes, to, I know. think that veterans and, you know, and can letter to the secretary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, say, I, I think the colonel can right letter. Yeah. When Hello? You, oh, no, yes. I'm sorry. I, I was just saying that I think uh, the colonel's right on that. We need to send letters to a congressman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also to the secretary saying and, and the we secretary, want... Right? To, you know, we want this double standard to be stopped, and right. you can, you know, make regulations and send scripts to, um, you know, schedulers, and that telehealth appointments should be should count as access. It says in the Mission Act that that telehealth counts as an appointment, so you don't have to rewrite the law. Mm-hmm. But you know, basically, these regulations were enacted under the Trump administration which was devoted to the privatization of everything, including the VA. So this needs to be fixed by the Biden administration. Because if the Biden administration doesn't fix this and veterans continue to get delays in treatment from the private sector, then the Biden administration is going to be, 
you know, is going to be confronted with yet another delayed care VA scandal. And this time it will be of their own making. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's really um, important uh, for them to know uh, that that is, you know, a major issue because right now we still have veteran suicides at an all-time high, mm-hmm. about 17 per day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those, uh, you know, those suicides that are occurring uh, you know, can be uh, prevented if uh, people get adequate care. Care. I know that there's a uh, there is a um, you know there is a deficit in the number of people who are actually uh, <coughs> contemplating suicide who actually get involved with the VA system. You know, it's only a certain percentage of people get involved, but we need to have more of an outreach, and that needs to come from the VA. Um, it, it, well, it also needs to come from VSOs yeah, and yeah, yeah. and veterans advocacy organizations and the media, because basically these groups, I think, are not telling people enough to go to the VA, and the media is, in my view, in like USA Today and and even groups like Politico, they are participating in this crisis by putting out negative inaccuracies about the VA and discouraging veterans uh, to go to the VA. Fox News, for example, has a lot of blood on its hands. Uh, Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that they've been saying, uh, this really bizarre stories. But, uh, you know, one of the things, too, I was thinking about is that this is, as uh, Cliff was mentioning early, this is – November is appreciate you know is not military family appreciation, but it's also Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month, and Alzheimer's disease is also something that's helped by people who have a, a mental health background, psychiatrists and psychologists, mm-hmm. and and who's better to coordinate the care that someone receives as a veteran than the VA? Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So you know, give well, us some last. You words. have a system that. That you have a system that we've invested in for over 70 years that knows how to do the job and you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically tying their hands and their feet, yes. you know, and they're shackled and it's Ooh. outrageous. Yes, absolutely. So I want to really thank our partner, Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. We just ran out of time, but we have got to get you back. This is such an important issue. Thank you so much, Suzanne Gordon, and thank you so much, Jasper Craven. But stay with us. Stay with us. We are about to come and give you some really incredible uh, information in the next shows. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.